morning, everyone. Hello to everyone at home, watching online. Now then, isn't it good and amazing how God knows us personally and speaks into our lives today in a, you know, in a real way? And, and you know, there's lots of ways that God speaks to us, and we can hear his voice as we read the Bible. Uh, that's one way, or hear it. Uh, in times together, when we come together and we worship together and spend time together through others, there's a good friend of ours, uh, Bruce Collins, and many of you will know, we know um, he's worked with us with New Wine Cymru, and he's a church leader, he lives um, a little down the way, and just past Carmarthen kind of way. And uh, one time he was speaking in a church in Sweden, and then afterwards he was praying for some of the leaders, and he says that as he was praying for this particular guy, and he's just asking, you know, as he was praying for him, just ask, you know, God, have you got anything that you want to encourage this guy with, or you want to, you know, speak into his life, anything that he's, you've gifted him with, that you want to encourage him with, or speak to him? And he said as he was praying for him, he suddenly got the thought, tell him, I like the way you drink your beer. And this was... You know, he's just praying, and he's thinking, okay, yeah, okay, I don't know why I've had for breakfast, but Lord, you know, is there anything you want to speak to him? Is there anything you want to encourage him he's good at? But this thought just wouldn't go away. Tell him, I like the way you drink your beer. So, you know, he stops. So, look, this may sound a little strange, but, you know, and forgive me if this is way off, but as I'm praying for you, I just feel like God might want to say, he likes the way you drink your beer. <laughs> and then the guy burst out laughing. And uh, basically, in the, the town where he lived, he'd been thinking, you know, how can I be connecting with the, the men in my town? You know, how can I begin to know them, connecting with them? So he thought, I, I know, why don't I, you know, I start going down the pub, you know, a couple of times a week and just seeing who I meet. And after a few weeks, you know, he'd been going along and maybe hadn't, he hadn't been seeing anyone or hadn't really been working. And he thought to himself, oh, maybe this was a bit of a silly idea. And he, he was literally thinking of, of giving it up. And then Bruce shares with him that God says, no, you know, I like the way you drink your beer. This is a great idea. Go for it. And he was encouraged and he kept going. Isn't that amazing? Now, when we follow Jesus, he lives in us through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit brings different gifts into our lives, spiritual gifts, um, which help us in our relationship with Jesus and to fulfill the calling he has on our lives to bring his goodness and his love into our world and to, to um, share him with others. And one of those gifts is the gifts of prophecy, which is hearing God speak to us for ourselves and for others as well, to encourage them, strengthen them, comfort them, or help them in some way. So Paul, in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians, right into the ch uh, church there, he says this, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. One who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. And on a Sunday, you will have seen, you know, that we, we do that here, you know, as we can do it out and about or many different places. This one uh, place we do, it, often when someone's maybe leading worship or leading the meeting, like Sarah, the, uh, this morning came and shared something she feel like God had you know, was speaking to her to encourage us or to speak into our lives and to help us. I remember one uh, time in a meeting here, it was in a conference actually, it was uh, someone speaking. And as they were speaking, they, they felt that God uh, said to them, there was someone in the room with a bad jaw that he wanted us to pray for healing. And uh, they stopped and they asked. And I happened to be standing next to the guy who had the, ba the bad jaw. And his name is Anthony. And he's a church leader in North Wales. And he was down for the weekend. And he plays hockey for Wales. Well, the seniors team. <laughs> I think it's the over 40s. Still, it's not bad. That was, that's impressive. Anyway, so he plays hockey for Wales. And the weekend before, he'd fractured his jaw in a hockey match. And uh, he'd been for an x-ray, a little fracture there. But it was all swollen. And so the, the doctors had said, or the hospital had said, uh, come back when the swelling comes down. 
because uh, it's all swollen up. Come when the swelling's come down, we'll give you a fresh x-ray, and then we'll decide you know, what, what we need to do to fix it. So he then had come to the conference, he was sat next to me, and he started telling me that, you know, I could see it was swollen, um, not as bad as when he'd first done it, but he was like, you know, it's painful, it's painful to eat, there's like a crunching, and uh, so just in the middle of the meeting, just quickly turned to him and just prayed really simply, Jesus, thank you for Anthony, thank you that you love him and he's important to you, and in the name of Jesus, I, I speak to this jaw, be healed now. Uh, swelling go down, fracture heal, amen, just something like that. And then we carried on with the meeting. Then after the meeting, it was lunchtime, and he went out to lunch, and he said, by the end of the, the meeting or the session, all the pain had gone. Then he had lunch, and he was able to eat lunch without no, like, crunching and absolutely fine, and he told me about it. And then the next Monday, he went back to the hospital for the appointment, and they x-rayed him, and the fracture had gone. And uh, he sent me a little picture to show me the before and after. There we go. So that was a good one, isn't it? So anyway, today we're continuing our series uh, on my story, Eyewitness Accounts. And we see someone who has a a similar encounter with Jesus uh, in this kind of way. And as you know, in this series, we've been looking at the eyewitness accounts of people who encountered Jesus in the Gospels. And when you read through the accounts of Jesus' life, you see how some people who encountered Jesus, in fact, most people who encountered Jesus aren't named. We just know them as, like in the story that Rachel showed, you know, a paralyzed man, or a man with leprosy, or a Samaritan woman, or a prominent Pharisee, and we don't get their names. However, some people are named. Uh, Chloe talked on about Bartimaeus, who was blind a few weeks ago, or some of the women disciples, like Mary Magdalene and Salome, or last week Adam shared about Nicodemus, the Pharisee, and some of people are named, and why are some people named and some people not? And the reason is that historians think is that those people who are named went on to be followers of Jesus, and they were known in the early church, and most importantly, that they told their story. So it's their stories that we're reading that got written down, and they were going around sharing their stories. So today, we're going to have a look at uh, the eyewitness account of Nathaniel and his encounter with Jesus. But we can't talk about Nathaniel without talking about Philip. Now, I really like Philip's story. You know, when you think of different stories of people who encountered Jesus and when he called them to be his disciples, maybe you think of, you know, Peter and this amazing catch of fish or other miracles and amazing stories. But I really like Philip's story. It's in John chapter 1, and it says this. Oh, here's Philip. Here we go. It says this. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said, come follow me. There we go. As simple as that. I like that. Jesus is going on a road trip, and he thinks, I'll ask Philip to come. I'd like Philip to come with me. You know, he's a good guy. I like Philip. Let's get Philip to come along. As simple as that. I know for many of us, we also will have a simple story of how we ended up following Jesus. And today, Jesus wants to remind every single one of us that he has chosen you because he wants to do life with you, and you're valuable to him. Simple as that. He wanted to do life with you. In Ephesians, it puts it this way, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. It gives God great pleasure to know you and to do life with you. Isn't that fantastic? And then this is what Philip does next. It says this, Philip then went to look for Nathanael, and he told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth 
exclaimed Nathanael. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip said. So Nathanael here, he gets this invite. We found Jesus, this guy called Jesus, he's amazing, blah, 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 and he's a bit skeptical. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Now, there's a bunch of reasons why Nathaniel might be skeptical, and I think one of them is a bit of local town rivalry. So, Cana, where Nathaniel was from, is just four miles away from Nazareth. So, you know how people in Clonethley, they love to tell you, West is best. They say, West is best. Well, you know, we'll see, isn't it? I'm uh, <laughs> just kidding. Sorry, Ads. Um, so, there's a bit of local town rivalry going on there. But also, at the time, the people... You know, they'd been expecting a Messiah, a savior, a king. And there'd be this long awaiting for years and years and years. And they thought someone would come and, you know, rescue them from the Romans or do this or do that. And people had a picture in their mind or an idea of what they expected this person to look like. And a a carpenter's son from a poor rural town out in the sticks, Nazareth, is not what people were expecting. So Nathan's, can anything good come from Nazareth? But I think when we see Nathaniel, he seems to me like someone who he wants, to, um, he wants to know the facts for himself. He wants to figure it out for himself. He wants to know his own mind. You know when some, someone says to you like, oh, you should watch this film. You'll really like it. And you immediately think, well, I'll decide for myself if I like this film. Like, do anyone feel like, I think like Nathaniel's, he's a bit like that. Do you know what I mean? So, okay, well, we'll see. So, fair enough, though. He goes along with Philip and he goes to meet um, Jesus. And so whatever happens next with Nathaniel, this is something really important to remember and something really amazing. Whatever happens next, it's all because Philip invited him in the first place. Whatever happens next in Nathaniel's life is all down, first and foremost, that his friend Philip went to tell him and went to find him. And that's a great reminder to us, isn't it? To, be, to readily invite others to come, come and see for yourself. Come and explore for yourself. Come and have a look for yourself. Come and see for yourself that Jesus is real, that he changes lives, that this is what he's done for me, that he rescues, he forgives, he heals, he makes a difference. Just come and see for yourself, whether you know, invite him to a Sunday meeting like this or to Alpha or to an event or to a social or to the picnic that we're going to in a few weeks or wherever it is, or just ready to share our story or to offer to pray or to offer to pray for healing, that, that invite, come and see come and explore, come and find out, is always there on the tip of our tongue wherever we are. Wasn't it great when we had the baptisms in May and we heard all the young people's stories and they'd all said how someone invited them, you know, they invited me on a Sunday or they invited me to Alpha or they invited me and it was a part of all their stories just like it is Nathaniel. So let's keep going with that. So Philip brings Nathaniel to see Jesus and it says this, when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite of whom there is, in whom there is no deceit. Or another way of saying that is a man of complete integrity. How do you know me? Nathanael asks. And Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree. Oh, let me go. Sorry. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. And Jesus answered him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, which means teacher, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And so Jesus has these insights into Nathanael's character and his life, and he shares them. Jesus says, you know, this is someone who's truly an Israelite uh, in whom there is no deceit. 
someone who's passionate about following God, someone who's been discovering God's heart for people and his purposes through the scriptures, trying to live that out, a man of integrity. And there's a little inside joke here as well, uh, or Easter egg, you know, in, in, the mo- in movies when, you know, it's like um, Marvel or other films, you know, based on long stories, whatever, and they put in little hidden Easter eggs for the, like, die-hard fans who'll pick up on them and it, chat about them, whatever. So there's a little Easter egg in here. Jesus, he was well, he was well into the Bible, as was Nathaniel, as you'd expect. And um, so when he says here, here's an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. So Jacob was a, um, one of Israel's founding fathers was a guy called Jacob. And uh, Jacob means one who deceives. That's what, you know, the name is. And his character, he was like that in his early years. He deceived his brother, he deceived his father, he deceived his uncle. And then years later, he has these different encounters with God, and God changes his name to Israel. And, you know, he's the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so to say, here's an Israelite in whom there's no deceit, is like a little Easter egg in there, a little, you know, inside joke. And Nathaniel, obviously someone who, you know, loves this kind of stuff, he, he's, Jesus is speaking his language, he picks up on it, and he's, you know, he's, he's in there as well, again, excited. Anyway, Jesus doesn't say much, but what he says here, Nathaniel recognizes it as true about himself, that this is his character, and he's shocked, and he says, how do you know me? They've not met before, how do you know about me? And then Jesus says this, before I called you, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now, we don't know how significant, why that was so significant for Nathaniel, but it obviously meant something to him. Maybe uh, there was a particular fig tree that he liked to sit under and he would pray and read the scriptures and speak to God, or maybe just recently as a one-off, he'd been under a fig tree and he'd been you know, asking God in prayer, would you speak to me, or are you there, or, you know, or something of that nature. We don't exactly know, but whatever it was, Nathaniel is amazed by what Jesus says, and it causes him to realize, wow, you are what Philip said. You are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Because God knows each and every one of us. He knows us. He loves us. We are fully known, and we are fully loved. In the Psalms, Psalm 139, it says, O Lord, you've examined my heart, and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. How precious are your thoughts about me. They cannot be numbered. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. So of course God knows Nathaniel, just like he knows each and every one of us. And of course, when God came into the world as a man, Jesus, you know, Jesus was in one place at one time. He wasn't uh, like, you know, your spirit is everywhere. Jesus was in one place at one time. So he'd not seen Nathaniel physically under the fig tree. But as he talked with his father and as he walked in the power of the Holy Spirit every day, the Holy Spirit had revealed these things to Jesus. And he shares them with Nathaniel. And Nathaniel realizes that God knows him, loves him, cares for him, and that Jesus really is the Son of God. And I love Nathaniel's response here. Straight away, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Here's a person, Nathaniel, who like, he wanted to know the facts for himself. He wanted to make up his own mind. He wasn't going to just take on what Philip said, but he's a pursuer of truth, a man of integrity. I'll make up my own mind. I'll find it out. But then on the day when he sees that truth for himself, when he sees that it's real, When he encounters Jesus, he has the integrity 
to respond quickly. And so this is true, so I'm going to do something about it. And so for us too in our lives, let's be quick to respond to Jesus in our lives. When we discover the truth about him, whether that's for the first time that Jesus really is God who came into the world to restore our relationship with him, who died for the things that we've done wrong, who came back to life three days later, who's alive now in heaven and has won for us the gift of eternal life and invites us into relationship with him to be a part of his good plans for our lives and for our world and the rescue that he is taking place. And when we come to realize who Jesus is, let's say yes to him and say, yes, I'm going to follow you. I want you to be a part of my life and to discover the things that you have for me. And as we follow Jesus day to day, and we maybe discover something new or hear him speak into our lives about something a different way, we maybe recognize him prompting us about something, whether we've been inspired by a story. We've heard loads of healing stories over recent weeks. And maybe we think, do you know what? God heals people today, and I'm going to start praying for people that I know who need healing, and I'm going to start putting this into practice. Or maybe it's a call to be generous, and we see on the news what's happening in our country. We think, do you know what? I'm going to be generous at this time, and I'm going to help others in need. Or maybe there's an area of our life and we recognize, you know what, this way I'm living or doing this, it's not helpful, it's not helping me, it's not helping my family. I need to do something about it. And we need to make a change. Let's respond quickly to Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I want to follow you on this. Will you help me with this? Will you journey with me on this? And it may not all happen at once, but as we make that choice to respond, like Nathaniel did, we partner with the Holy Spirit and we journey into the future that Jesus calls us to and has for us. And as we respond like this, just like Nathaniel, we see how Jesus gives an amazing promise. And Jesus said this to him, do you believe this just because I told you I'd seen you under the fig tree? Well, you will see even greater things than this. And Jesus is surprised by Nathaniel's reaction. Think of all the times Jesus healed someone or spoke into someone's life or did something amazing. And people were slow to believe or questioned him, or in some cases went out and plotted how to have him killed. But here, Nathaniel, he just said, I saw you under the fig tree. And Nathaniel reacts, you are the son of God. I'm going for this. And Jesus is amazed. And he gives us an amazing promise. You will see even greater things than this. And Nathaniel did go on to see greater things. The very next thing that they did was they went to Cana in Galilee, which is Nathaniel's hometown. And that's where Jesus turned water into wine at the wedding. A very famous story that we've probably all heard and know. But in the moment, Jesus did it quietly behind the scenes. He was rescuing a bride and groom and their family from embarrassment that they'd run out of wine, that they didn't have enough. And Nathaniel was probably one of a handful of people who actually knew what really went on at that wedding and who really rescued the bride and groom and where that wine really came from. And John, who records this, he says, this miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. And so we see Nathaniel there right at the start, right at the beginning as Jesus was starting to do things. And then later, we see him right at the very end, at the very last few things before Jesus returned to heaven after his resurrection. And there's a group of seven of them, Peter, John, out in a boat fishing all night. And Jesus appears to them on the beach in the morning with breakfast. It says this, later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. 
And this is how it happened. Several of the disciples were there. Simon, Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the two sons of Zebedee and two other disciples. And they're out in the boat. And then it says later, when they got to shore, they found breakfast for them, waiting. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire. I'm not sure about fish for breakfast, but still. And some bread. It's more like it. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. Isn't that amazing? Jesus made breakfast for them and served them breakfast on the beach. So Nathaniel goes on to have this incredible journey and adventure with Jesus. He's there in the very first couple of pages, and he's there right at the end in the very last couple of pages, and he's right there throughout. Isn't that amazing? And so for Nathaniel, this encounter and his response marks a turning point in his life and the start of an incredible adventure. And this can encourage us too. This can really encourage us today because... As we learn to hear God's voice and practice the gift of prophecy to strengthen and encourage and comfort others, we see here that it doesn't have to be something spectacular for God to make a difference in people's lives. When we imagine God speaking to us, we might think and imagine it's got to be something grand or detailed or complex. But with Nathaniel, what Jesus simply shared was, I saw you under the fig tree and you're a man of integrity. It doesn't sound like a lot. But to Nathaniel, it was very meaningful, just knowing that, wow, God really sees me, and God knows me. That was enough. And for us too, Jesus gives us the same promise that he gave to Nathaniel. Later on, Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I'm going to be with the Father. So we can be confident, too, that we can learn to hear God's voice, that God wants to use us to reveal his love and his compassion and his heart for others. And as a church, that's something we love to do, isn't it? And, you know, we do this with one another, and we share prophetically with one another. So let's be encouraged to continue to do so and to learn and to grow so we can see God encourage us and and others as well more and more. And then we want to remember, as we do, that this is the, uh, this verse here that Paul shares, where he says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. One who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encourage, and comfort. That these here are, are both the purpose and the boundaries of the gift of prophecy as we learn and as we share with one another. So we see how this excludes directive prophecies uh, or anything judgmental or rebuking or condemning. That's not in the remit of the gift of prophecy that we practice with one another. And if ever we feel like God gives us something directional or something of that nature, then we always want to check it with a leader first, with a small group leader or one of the elders so that they can pray about it, handle it wisely and decide, you know, and look what to do with it. With prophecy, we always want to be accountable. It says this as well. Paul says this. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. So the gift of prophecy is meant to be accountable as well and in the context of church life so that we are accountable to the Bible. That, you know, we see that it's something that matches what God would say in the Bible, that it's accountable with our leaders and that the person receiving it as well, that they can test it for themselves. And this creates like a frame here like a frame for the purpose and the boundaries of prophecies that we can encourage, strengthen, comfort, and help one another as we follow Jesus and learn 
as we practice together. And anything within these boundaries is healthy and helpful and, uh, and a great way for us to put this into practice, to follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. And so we're all, you know, many of us familiar with this. I encourage us to, to, to continue to practice and to learn and to grow so we, this can be a real part of our life together. And if this is brand new to you and uh, you think, you know, I've not really heard about this before, but I'd like to learn more and I'd like to discover more, I'm not going to keep you here for another 40 minutes, but uh, Julian has just released a brand new series um, on leading your church into a culture of prophecy, which looks at the gift of prophecy and how you can practice it in a church. And it's designed for church leaders who may be introducing it or getting their church to learn and grow in uh, hearing from God and sharing with one another and in their communities as well. So it's designed for church leaders, but all the kind of content is in there. So if anyone's interested, if you go to the New Wine Cymru website, you can watch the, it's a video series, there's like four episodes. You can find out all the information on there if you want to. But back to Nathaniel, we see Nathaniel's story, a simple prophetic word shared by Jesus, by his character and something that was meaningful to him. It wasn't particularly spectacular or dramatic, but it made a huge difference in his life. And Jesus calls us to walk in the gift of uh, prophecy as well. So we can do the same in people in our lives and speak God's life into them. And Nathaniel goes on this amazing journey in Jesus' life from beginning to end. But it all starts when he's simply invited by his friend Philip. Come and see for yourself. So for us, as we go out into this week... Let's have that in our mind of people that we're out and about with. Where's these opportunities that we can say, come and see for yourself, or let me pray for you, or I've experienced this, this has really helped me. Come and see for yourself. How's that sound? So should we pray? Lord, we thank you that you speak into our lives today in a real way. That each and every one here is loved and important to you that we can hear your voice because you're alive and you love to do life with us. Holy Spirit, I invite you here now and I pray would you come and fill us again that we would know you close with us this week that we would know your voice in our lives. And I pray that as we go out this week, that in any moments where we can share about you and your love for others, whether we offer to pray or whether we share a story or whether we invite, come and see for yourself. I pray that you would help us and give us courage and boldness and that we would recognize the things that you want to do through our lives. So we put our weeks into your hands and the people that we know and we love. And we pray that you would bless them because you love them and help us to join you in doing that. In Jesus' name, amen.